We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Welcome to White Ears. We are recording on the Locker Room app after the Warriors 119-116 win over the Utah Jazz. Bradley Beal already helping the Warriors out, tweeting Kent Bazemore into his best game of the season. Andy Lou, how you doing, my man? <laughs> uh yeah, are we starting with Beal and Bazemore? Because nah, we start we start on the game and then we can get to that later. But let's, let's get to that topic three or four. Yeah, that this game was um, it was a it was playoff atmosphere. I know that the Jazz were missing you know Donnie Mitch and, and Mike Conley, but this one felt like uh, a playoff game. And uh, Draymond and Steph were ready. I keep saying this every podcast, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna keep saying it, Sam, until until they get kicked out of the postseason. These guys deserve to be in the playoffs year in year out until the day they retire. They're so good. They're so good when they are locked in. I'm almost, um, I almost want to talk more about Draymond than staff just because like mm. with staff it's, well, no, I don't want to take him for granted ever, but um, <laughs> there's less of the ramp up factor with staff. You know what I'm saying? Like Steph is like consistently excellent. Like he'll go through spells where he looks tired, but right. like, Bad stuff in the regular seasons, like, oh, man, 25 points per game on 45% shoot. Like, that's bad stuff, right? Right. Like, whereas Draymond earlier in the season, I was wondering, it, it, you know, I was wondering if it was uh, – if, if the days of prime Draymond were over. And you watch him play a game like tonight, 
Man, you know, they, we can yeah. pick apart the things he can't do, but he's still a very high-end winning player, particularly on the defensive end. And just, yep. uh, there, there's, I mean, we can start with that. You know, he's hitting shots now. You know, that's going <laughs> to ebb and flow. But, like, for me, it's more like the way he's moving and the urgency he plays with. I'm like, this is a guy you can still trust in the conference finals or the finals to make the right decision. Yep. At all t- Yep. I, you know, maybe we just chalked the early season stuff up to COVID or a ramp up, or he just hadn't played meaningful basketball in as long as Steph Curry hasn't played basketball, right? Last season didn't count. Draymond coasted through that thing. Um, but he's back now. I, I just, at this point, I really don't care what the beginning of the season looked like. Cause if you give this, these guys a chance and by these guys, I mean, Steph and Draymond, you put them in a series, they can win that series against almost everyone. And, and that's kind of the, that's the crazy part about this thing. Draymond can be that good. I guess, Sam, I was a little bit more optimistic than you. I thought Draymond had that in him because I saw that against Portland, but we didn't know how great it was uh, tonight, though. And really, really, the, it's been the last like three, four weeks. It, it, that's how long it's been. It tells me that this guy is still, I don't know, would you agree with me, the best defender in the NBA when he's locked in? Would you agree? That's how that's how he is right on, now. On the, sh- on the short list. Like yeah. you could convince me Anthony Davis is better. Yeah. Or maybe sure. Kawhi, but that's like literally all I'm talking about. Like, get out of here with Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is an <laughs> excellent player, but you see his weaknesses magnified against, quite frankly, Steph Curry. Whereas Draymond still can move and is still as smart as anyone ever. I, Zach Lowe put him on his first team all defense. He did his like award article, which I would agree with. Um, and he said, if Draymond is not a hundred percent of what he was in 2016, he's still 90 to 95%. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's probably the best way to put it. Like, I don't know if Draymond is as good as he was at his absolute peak, but I know he's still pretty elite on defense. And I know for a fact, there's only, I don't know, maybe a half dozen players who you could legitimately say are as good as him on defense when he's engaged if that at if most. that yeah yeah and, and i think even in the last decade he's been the nba no it's not even right now in the last decade he's been the nba there hasn't been much better um, for, for that i agree with if you're gonna say who's the best defender of 10 to 20 it's draymond change the game most important defender yep. Gar- i yep. mean draymond's the reason everyone's looking for six six to six eight guys who can guard all positions instead of rim running centers you know like he he's the reason that defenses have shifted to be quite frank yeah i mean steph curry's the reason why offenses are the way they are today right for one reason and you said that earlier and draymond's the other reason why that defenses are the way they are because he's the only way to play a guy like steph curry it really is like those guys are literally they're yin and yang. They're just, they're perfect together. I thought that that final three that Steph hit the game winning three was perfect, right? It, Looney gets the rebound, uh, by the way, another just an incredible offensive rebound, great awareness, passes it back out, uh, who gets it back out to Draymond and Draymond knows, he knows where Steph is. Steph is also, you know, he is who he is. He knows to cut to the right because he's wide open and Jeff and Draymond just flicks him the ball and it's a wide open three. I mean, it's a, t- it's a tough shot. Um, I think he was still like three feet behind the line, but with Steph, you kind of know that's going in. And that's, that's all we, that's what we've seen for years. Those guys are kind of perfect together. And then on the other end, um, I, I guess a lot of the Warriors met Clarkson at the rim, 
but Draymond met him at the rim and then went ahead and got that offensive rebound, right? And then the wherewithal to call the timeout so that he's not the one. That's uh, that's also the funny thing with Draymond because, like, his rebounding has been lower this year than in the past. And I've kind of chalked that up more to the roster. And, like, maybe he doesn't have the legs to get the out-of-his-area rebounds that he used to. You know, like, three, four years ago, like, Draymond was just everywhere on the court. Like, you'd just be like, how are you at the three-point line and under the rim in, you know, in the same split second, right? And, like, these days now it's like he's not doing that as much. But, like, in these moments when he has to lock in, he still has the capability to do that and the physical – like, it's – it's quintessential aging. He's picking his spots a little bit, but like he's not, he's still as smart as he, he ever was. And he physically can still get up for it. It's good to see he's over COVID. It's good to see that, like, you know, again, is he as athletic as he was in 2016? No, but maybe 90%, you know, he's, he's, it's pretty much there. These guys deserve, <laughs> deserve a better team around them. Uh, let's talk about the other guys. Uh, are we good with Steph and Dre? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We'll By the way, I love how Steph getting what thirty-seven points is that what he finished with tonight? <laughs> thirty-six. Yeah, points. thirty-six. Sorry, 30, thirty-six. Yeah, thirty-six points on okay efficiency. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we don't need to talk about thirty-six points. Yeah, you're right. Like, anytime Steph gets under forty, it's like, all right, you know, he did his job, but whatever. <laughs> That's that just speaks to like the level he's been playing at for like the last month and a half, right? You know what? You know, <laughs> you're right. You're right. We should talk about Steph. Yes, three for thirteen from three tonight. I saw that uh, some of the OKC announcers was talking about Steph is a uh, if you get him, you know, at the rim or under the three point line, he's not as good of a score. Uh, Steph was unstoppable <laughs> from two point range tonight, right? Just you tweeted about the fifteen foot push shot that he made. He actually made a couple of them in a row, which is just incredible right. skill wise. Like, what, what? like that's he from, makes uh, he makes that incredible. off he makes that off balance push floater. Like, I don't even know what to call it. It's it's not quite a push shot, but it's not a floater either. And he's, well, somewhere between, like, 15 and 18 feet. So it's – but, yeah, he makes it every time. If, makes if it you just, watch him in – you watch him in pregame, you've done – you've seen him do this a million times for people that don't know. He practices this shot in his warm – Oh, the, absolutely, in, yeah. In his, uh, in his shooting drills. Yeah, the, he practices it. It just looks weird in the game, but he does it. <laughs> before, uh, not in warm-up lines, but you know how he puts on a show before every people see right. the long threes that he shoots. But before he does that, he practices those little push floaters. And uh, you know, I, I guess maybe you should do it more often. But honestly, you know, he shot thirteen threes tonight. You know, he made three of them, so he knew it wasn't going in. He shot a little. He shot some shots that were a little bit closer. Um, yeah, incredible. I mean, thirty six. And, and I just want to throw this in. That's that's like one of my favorite things that Steph starts started doing a few years ago. Like remember when the Spurs would overplay him from the three point line and it would frustrate the hell out of him that he couldn't get the step back or the, um, uh, you know, sidestep three that he likes to take. Now he, um, if you're going to overplay the three, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to take the mid range shot. And I'm just going to take the layup over and over again. And like, that's what he did against you. Utah overplayed the three, and then they had Gobert standing inside. And he's like, all right, if you give me a 15-footer, I'll just make it every time. And he did, right? So yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the best way to, to describe him. Like, he has kind of an offensive mastery where he knows how to take advantage of the defense. Yeah, the guy is uh, – he's on another level. It, it doesn't matter. I do, I do love the um... – he does something that's a little bit new this season where, it, and now it's becoming almost unstoppable. I think they've kind of figured out 
those how to play against those double teams is he just he, they they run a screen they know the double is coming he gives it up super quick and he's kind of stopped turning the ball over against those doubles but literally right after he gives it up Draymond instead of going for the four on three because you know Iguodala isn't there and Clay isn't in the corner he just shovels it right back to Steph I think that's kind of out of necessity at this point but it is cool how they're doing it so often um, it, it really is every single time and players haven't caught up to that yet I'm sure they will. Uh, at some point in the postseason or next season, Sam. But as of now, it's pretty cool to see it. Uh, just Steph and Dre repeatedly all day long. Absolutely. All right, let's move forward. Um, what are we going to get to next? Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Big okay. Jordan Poole game. Where are you at with Jordan? <laughs> Big Jordan Poole game. Big Jordan Clarkson game. Uh, and that's the comp, right? <laughs> uh, if Jordan Poole... I wish Jordan Poole was like three years older because he would be so perfect for this team. He would just be a perfect player for this team the last five seasons. Even when the Warriors were unstoppable, they were missing a guy like Jordan Poole off the bench. Create his own shot. Microwave score, right? Just a little bit more flash than anyone else. I guess Leandro Barbosa is kind of the guy that's closest to what Jordan Poole is is going to become. But yeah, man, incredible tonight. Um, I wish he shot the three a little bit better, Sam. But, you know, I guess he's 21, 22. But, um, but yeah, just watching him and watching Jordan Clarkson, I'm sitting there and I'm just laughing because I'm like, well, there's the guy that you're probably going to end up being, you know, five years. Yeah, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole um, I think he's a better shooter than Clarkson, but not as good finishing. It's like Jordan Clarkson is just more athletic, better finisher inside in general. Um, hopefully I didn't mix up their names. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say, tonight Jordan Poole had it working from outside. And for me – that's like the big thing for him because I feel like his shot looks good every time it goes up. Like he has good form. He has good touch, but this season has kind of been defined by uh, when he's feeling it from outside, he's really effective when he's not feeling it. You get a lot of those like two for nine games where he's not super effective. And that is part of being a young player, but I'm just excited for him to kind of take that step and become a little more confident tonight. He was hitting those shots and, when he's hitting those shots, he's a welcome weapon for this team. Because as we know, you know, we pencil in Steph for 35 at this point. Like, that, the baseline for Steph is 35. And we're just, like, holding on for dear life, hoping anyone else can help contribute <laughs> in any capacity. In terms of uh, – We got a couple of timely threes from Mulder tonight. Money Mike, as the Chase Center announcers say. Uh, big three from Juan Toscano Anderson uh, tonight, who looks like – he should be playing in the playoff rotations, which is awesome to see. Um, I think all around a good game. Um, you know, they, 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 I don't know if you call it choked away the big lead. It, it kind of is what it is, right? Utah's not a sh- they're a really good team, even without Minichol and Conley. But um, I think that's one of the games where, you know, the Warriors end up losing earlier this season. Dare I say they've gotten a better in those situations with guys like Bazemore, um, Wiggins, Poole. Some of those guys that maybe have learned to be better in those clutch situations so they don't Absolutely. make some of those dumb mistakes. You know, that could be something to monitor moving forward. And, yeah, no, definitely. Let, let's talk about our uh, – let's start about the, the star of the show Uh-oh. tonight, Kent Bazemore. Uh-oh. Let's do a little Bazemore, and then we'll, we'll bring on the questions. So, yeah. um, first off, can I, um, can I be honest and just say Bazemore's joke about – Beal was funnier more because of how corny it was. Like he was unaware of how it could potentially rub anyone the wrong way. Like if you watch the video of him, 
it reminded me of Super Troopers, where uh, Farva, like the the annoying guy, like thinks he has like a really good joke and no one laughs. That was like Bazemore when he's like, "Hey guys, you know, some guys are even hurting their hamstrings. They like can't even hold it in because he's like laughing to himself. Like that's how I heard it, and I was just like." I mean, you know, it's the internet, so you deserve to get the jokes you get from that. But I didn't think it was all as malicious as people were taking it. I thought it was just like another, like, Kemp more reaching for a foul, not realizing he's reaching type of situation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you were laughing before you said that. <laughs> like, <baseball>. Hey. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 you're right. I, I mean... I, I thought it was a dumb joke, right? Like anytime someone's hurt, like why are you making fun of someone getting hurt um, in, in that moment? He thought it was funny. I think nobody really understood what he was trying to say besides Monty Poole who tweeted it out. What I also thought if was you, funny was Bradley. If you watch the video, he's like laughing before he, he says it. Like he really he's smiling. Like you can tell he like told someone that joke. It was like, I'm going to make them all laugh. Like I have the perfect pun. <laughs> and no one stopped him and be like, dude, that's not funny and it's definitely not going to go for a while. <laughs> it's uh well, you know what I thought was beyond that was just Bradley Beal was corny, right? Like Bradley Beal fired off about 15 tweets. Just, I don't know what he was saying. It's just what Bradley Beal was saying. Wasn't even that cool. It was just kind of just like, get off me. Like you're not to say like that's type of corny stuff, which is, I guess maybe it will sound cool in person on the court, but just online. It's just like, I don't know. What are we doing here? Right. It's just, what are, you average thirty plus points. You're a superstar. You guys are going to be in a. You guys going to be in a playoff team. Like I don't. I, if you want to say something, why don't you just text Baseball, <laughs> right? Or just call him. Like it's not like you can't get his number. But I, I don't know that. I, of it. I just felt yeah, like that was corny. Like I don't need. Yeah, he definitely from Bradley he, Beal. He don't. made a show. He made a show out of it, but I'm also not convinced he wasn't like being just as. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just being just as silly about it. Like at this point, I just don't take oh, anyone okay. serious. Yeah, I just don't yeah. take anyone serious with internet beefs anymore. Like, let's be real about it. It's everyone just does like fake tough guy stuff online. Like, do, do you really think Beal cares that much? Do you really yeah, think like right. yeah, a, right. a two minute conversation or Kemp Bazemore is like, Hey man, I didn't really mean anything like that. Like, like they wouldn't be over it. So I don't know. It's just it's just kind of the internet. Like it was funny watching. For me, the funniest part was watching people who were looking for a reason to hate the Warriors, like using this as like see how we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, like, you know, that that was my whole thing where I was just watching it. I'm like, this is, uh, this, this is just people using it as an excuse. Because, like, I didn't think Bazemore was serious about it. And you can say, like, have a little better judgment than, like, questioning a guy's health because of how serious everyone is. But I also am not, like, sure Beal cared as much. Like, he fired off a bunch of tweets, but, like, you and I both know how it is. Like, you fire one off, you get a bazillion yeah. retweets, and it's like, ah, I got to gotta feed the beast a little bit. Brett, Brett Beal and his wife. So it's a funny couple. Um, honestly, I've had enough of this topic. It just, let's move on. I yes. think it was a good game. That was <laughs> I just thought we need to I acknowledge it for a minute. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're the right. game's more you important, though. This is, a bi- this is a big W for the Warriors, so we're going to get to questions now. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ed all from the comfort and privacy of your home a u.s licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate it ships to you free with two-day shipping the whole process is straightforward and discreet getting started is simple just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash lightyears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. So we're starting with Kyle, what's up, Kyle? Got to always start it with someone who's not. Hey, guys. Oh, oh, what's up, man? Sorry about that. Hey, how's it going? So I got to say, this game definitely cemented that Bay's God has got to be on the team next year. But I got to say, like, I'm starting to think we got to find somebody to fill the loony spot. I know he played all right tonight. Like, he adds a little something, but. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He's not fast enough. He's not tough enough. Like, he doesn't shoot. So what do you guys think? Like, can we get a better backup big than Kevon Looney, or is he really what we're stuck with for next year? Kyle, I appreciate the question. It's a fair question. All right. For me, I think Looney is as good as you're going to get for, like, a rotation big. I think he's been pretty good for the Warriors. And just – personally I'm more concerned with them adding skill depth on the wings than another big man at this point. Um, They still have Wiseman coming back who's a developmental priority, but even if Wiseman isn't there, they can probably find some goon who can like kind of do some facsimile of loony things just to like add to the rotation. If it was up to me, I, I think they need to prioritize like skill on the wings. Well, you know, first off, Kevon Looney's been pretty damn good the last month plus, right? At the beginning of the season, I think he struggled a little bit, whatever it was, rust, um, or, or just getting into it. But right now he's playing the almost 30 minutes a game. He's been awesome defensively and, and getting rebounds and even some scoring. I would say the B 
big man stuff is, you know, if James Wiseman is back, you want him to play into some of those roles, right? He's a, he's like the biggest player in the NBA. <laughs> he's one of the biggest players in the NBA. Like you want him to be one of those players, even if he's 20, 21 years old. And like Sam said, right, Dwayne Deadman just got picked up by the Miami Heat off the scrap heap, and he's a fine center. Um, you can find those guys every day um, out there on the court. So I'm with you. Prioritize uh, some shooting, some wing defense, you know, get Glenn Robinson the third. But I don't know, whatever it is, right? Uh, but those probably are, are at the top of them. Absolutely. Keep moving. Ricky, Ricky Garcia, what is up, my man? Oh, what's up, guys? All right, what you got for us, Ricky? <laughs> All right, um, so I wanted to go off in a different direction here and talk some NBA draft. Um, so it was a very stressful um, NFL draft in the Bay Area, to say the least. So uh, I wanted to ask you guys, um, who's the Mac Jones in this year's NBA draft? Ooh, Ricky, appreciate the question. I'm actually going to avoid this one. I'm going to say we're not doing draft talk till the Warriors are eliminated from the playoffs. Um, someone said Corey Kispert. I don't hate that, uh, but I'm saying let's avoid. We're avoiding draft talk until until the Warriors season is over. I'd be okay with Kispert shooters, but yes, I'm okay with that. Oh, I, I, my first gut tells me. <laughs> my first gut tells me I'm, I'm fine with Kispert at 15, but yes, yeah. Well, yeah, the Warriors' own pick, right? Yeah, it's yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like the Warriors are getting the Minnesota pick. So anyway, let's 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 keep it moving. I maybe Kaminga, I think maybe, maybe Jalen Green, but let's keep it moving. I don't think any. I don't think there is a Mac Jones though in this draft. Antonio, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up? I was just gonna say um, that Clarkson comparison was real spot on. I feel like if Poole could get thirty-three shots again, he definitely check them like. That one play, he had missed like two threes before. And then he goes up and he does this with like less than 10 seconds of the shot clock. And even like, it was probably like 18 seconds on the shot clock. And he does a step back in the corner. And I'm just like, what are you doing? But then it's like, he makes it. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I love pool so much. It's just so crazy. I can't wait till like he bulks up little and, you know, get rid of the little fouls, the and one fouls that he was doing. So I had like four and he barely played. But, yeah, I, real, I see some real potential in him. Thanks, Antonio. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's always tough because Jordan Poole's like, young for a second-year player, too. Like, we often forget he's not just a young player. He's young for when he was drafted. And then you throw the pandemic stuff into it. Like, so he might have higher upside. I know a friend of the show, Ethan Strauss, thinks he's a potential superstar. But, um you know, he can he can play a role for this team in the short term, and like maybe his upside is higher than a six man. I just think of the short term I, as a six man. I, yeah, I don't I don't know if the upside is there given just the decision making that he. I mean, you can get better at it, right? You can get better at decision making, but just watching the way he he plays basketball and the stuff he tries out there, I don't I don't really see it. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, so I, he's not I, he's not an Andy Lou he's not an Andy Lou type player. <laughs> he is not actually <laughs> Jared what's up man what to do um I just wanted to make sure to uh shout out lock up loon tonight he was like great <laughs> um and also yeah also wanted to uh talk to my guy who was hating who was hating on loon but gave Bazemore some love um I just don't know if the Warriors can survive Bazemore's hacking in the playoffs like 
this guy's got to just be cool off the fouls. Um, yeah. What do you guys think about Bazemore and all his like just fouls adding up in a playoff game? I don't know if we can survive if he's like fouling like he does. I mean, I'm with you, Jared. Appreciate the call. The Warriors' fundamental issue is that they're not deep enough. Like, we know Steph is good enough to be the best player in a series versus any team. Oh, we know Draymond's a winning player. And I think Wiggins has been decidedly a plus for this team. And we can go down the line, but they just don't have as many bodies. They're playing eight guys. And half the guys they're playing are probably playing in roles that are too big for them. Like, like we've always said, happy with Bazemore at 15 minutes a game. Not so sure I love them at 30 minutes a game. Yep. I'm with you. Um, I think a lot of the Bazemore funny stuff is, is we just got to watch him too much. It's, it's, you hang out with someone too long, you know, you start to figure out all their flaws. Not that great. Right, Sam? Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, six podcast. No, but I think, yeah, Bazemore's good. He's going to be back on the team next season as a ninth, eighth, ninth man, and and it'll be fine. Uh, It's going to be a lot better when you got Clay in there. Maybe they add another way and Bazemore doesn't have to take as big of a role. Bazemore and Beal. You know, might be best friends next season on the same team. Who knows? Is that, is that, was this was this all a long con to get Beal starting <laughs> to talk to the Warriors? Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Tom, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I just want to know uh, what percentage chance do you guys give us to beat either the Lakers in the Blazers in the play-in, and say either the Suns and the Jazz in the playoffs? This is a great question. Thank you, Tom. I'll let Andy go first. Playing game. How do you feel about them versus the Lakers? I don't have a good feeling about that. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, I think the way that Andy, I watched Anthony Davis last night, and I said, "That's the guy that's that should have been that should have won the Finals MVP." Um, they're saying Le, LeBron is probably he could probably play right now uh, if it was the postseason, so he'll probably be back ready to go by the time the actual postseason comes around. That's a team that obviously went healthy as a championship team. So I don't know, Sam. I don't really have a good feeling about the playing game. If yeah, I was, I always feel like um, the in, a sing, in a single elimination, they're always going to be dicey because if Steph gets hot, that's that's like I don't think they could beat the Lakers in a best of seven. They could beat the Lakers in a best of one though, just because it's like the NCAA tournament. Steph gets hot, it's a nightmare, right? But with that said. I think I feel pretty reasonable about the Warriors' chances to upset the Jazz more so, and not just because of tonight. Like the Jazz were playing without the starting backcourt tonight, but in general, the Warriors' best player renders the Jazz' best player less effective. Like Rudy Gobert is just not that effective versus the Warriors, and that's a major matchup problem in the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns. Could be a little dice here because Chris Paul and Dem Booker, they just have a little more firepower. But I think Utah is, let's just say, for an eight seed going into one, that's as good as you're going to get. Uh, yes, I mean, Fitz made the comp. Uh, here's what I don't like. Fitz made the comp about these Warriors to the We Believe Warriors playing against the Mavs. I don't like that, Sam, because that tells me, like, that We Believe team was a cute, one time, that's it type of team. One time, one. Also, one that we believe team made, like, that roster was new after the trade deadline and got, like, caught fire after the trade deadline. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Stephen Jackson, Al Harrington, those guys weren't on the Warriors before February 20th or whatever. This team has two players that are 
above and beyond what any of those guys were in the NBA. And and that's what I don't like about what Fitz is doing. Fitz is essentially unshockingly painting the Warriors as this David, right, against every single team that's a Goliath. And I think that's very disrespectful to who it's Stephen Draymond are. These guys are these guys are good enough to win. And and they shouldn't be treated like they're a cute kind of Cinderella team. Like that's not who they are. These guys are elite NBA Hall of Famers, right? They they sh- you know like if they play Portland a series, I'm taking the Warriors, right? Like I'm saying they won't beat the Lakers because the Lakers are a championship team. And so I'm with you. Like the Jazz or the Suns, either one. Like they have a real shot at winning that series. It's not like this. Who'd you rather? Who'd you rather face though? Jazz. Right? Like, jazz. Okay. Jazz. Yeah, so yeah. you agree with me? Just About because. The Jazz are good, and I, I love so many things about them, but, like, they're just a little more vulnerable. Yep. All right, keep moving. Alex, what's going on, man? So, I they obviously, by winning tonight, I think it actually gives Phoenix even more reason to come out all guns a-blazing tomorrow. And let me just ask you guys about this wild hypothetical here. As somebody sitting on a Warriors over 38.5 wins, I had given up on this probably like months ago honestly at this point but like do you think it's possible that they just go guns a blazing down the stretch and finish with a perfect homestand Ooh, <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't bet on it alex um by the way placing money on 38 and a half ballsy um i waited till it fell to 36 and a half which I'm feeling good about right now uh not as you know, much better than I felt about selling uh, Dogecoin before it just went insane. Well, it went, which it went was down a, again, so you might be well, right. whatever. I, I sold it before I could make money on it, so that was my mistake. But anyway, um, to his point, not it, it all, it all I, depends, I, I don't it think – I don't, It all depends on tomorrow, right? Like I think – I kind of think they're going to rest, guys, tomorrow. I, if, if, I'm, wow. if, I'm, uh, if I'm Steve Kerr, if I'm Bob Myers, if I'm the Warriors, I might throw tomorrow's game because the Pelicans game should be winnable because no Zion or Ingram. Oh. Uh, and then you're going to have to beat Memphis either way. So you I, might as well just use it because, like, let's be real here. If you can get Steph a little extra rest, why not? Sam, Sam Whiteyears over here. You know, I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I think the team is playing pretty well right now. And, you know, I guess you can always say momentum is not a real thing, but this team is playing so well that I don't want to see these guys rest. I, I I mean, unless you tell me these guys are hurt or whatever, right, or these guys are exhausted, whatever. But I think there is something to just having these guys play out the season uh, and getting a rhythm because right now, I mean, they beat the Thunder. These last couple wins that they've had have been against semi-cupcake teams. Now they're playing a real team like the Jazz. They won one. Why not try to go out there and win another one against, uh, you know, against the top two seed in the West and get that confidence? That's going to be good for Poole, Mulder, um, you know, all at Baysmore even. Uh, so, so, so I think that's good for the rest of the team. Andrew Wiggins. I know Stephen Dre doesn't need it, but true. I think that's. I think I think I'd rather see that. Also, I'm selfish. I want to see those guys play tomorrow night. We'll do a locker room tomorrow night. I don't want to watch Mulder for 38 minutes. <laughs> Michael Mulder time. Um, Ken Bazemore. <laughs> Ken Bazemore with a quote on the Bradley Beal. Stuff. Oh, brother. I guess I guess you can't joke anymore. Whatever. I feel like I'm a pretty lighthearted guy. Hey, man, my loyalty is to SC30. It got out of hand. I don't like to get involved in that crap. Kind of, kind of what I was expecting. I like you watch the video. I just don't think he 
thought he was saying anything all that malicious. Now you can say he should have said it, but like, I, I really don't think he thought he like said something that was like, mean. I'm with you. He said, my loyalty is to SC30. That's perhaps the best part of the quote. You really said that? That's amazing. Uh, I mean, yes, I'm, that, I'm, I'm that reading, is... I'm reading friend of the show, Drew Schiller. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that is what, that is what Warriors fans also say. Yeah. We are, our loyalty is, is to SC30. So. <laughs> And by the way, more added, I ain't got time. I ain't got time for all that Twitter trash. That's a lie. <laughs> you know he has time for it. Yeah. Whoa, hey, Jake, Jake. What's up, man? Whoa. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, barely. What you got for us? Hey. So, uh, first of all, I just wanted to shout out Draymond. I thought he played awesome tonight, and I thought his passion was just super contagious, inspiring everybody up. And then I had a question. I wanted to know what you guys think. Uh, Lee and Ubre's roles will be when they come back. I think it's just going to be tough to get in a playoff rotation with the roles they had previously. So just wanted to know your thoughts on that. It's a great question, Jake. Appreciate you. Um, we're going to Drake, take you uh, off. Drake in a spaceship right now. Jesus. <laughs> Driving. Appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, so I, I think just Damian Lee is going to take uh, Mulder's role. That's easy. That's an easy one for me. Now, Kelly Ubre, a little, little dice here, but they could use the bodies. They don't have enough guys. I think they're going to go back to using Kelly Oubre in that three, four hybrid role that he was having success in before the injury. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Kelly Oubre is probably playing his last game for the Warriors. Sorry, I'm eating peanut butter pretzels. You caught me there. But I don't know if Oubre is coming back this season. I guess they say they're reevaluating him in a week or two, a couple of days ago, right? But reevaluating doesn't mean he's ready to get back on the court. So I don't know if he's going to be back. Um, if he's back, I don't know if he's in shape to play play-in postseason games, right? That's that's another beast. Um, so I and okay, so if he is back, I think they're just going to play him off the bench. They're going to keep him in the role that he was. Well, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree with you yeah. there. All right, let's keep so, moving. Dylan, what's up, man? Hey, hey, guys. Um, I just had a really quick question. So by my math, Steph needs to get 62 more points over the next three games to lock up the scoring title. Um, and he needs 23 more threes, I think, to get to uh, 350. So what do you guys think? You think he's going to get to 350 and lock up the scoring title by, you know, end of the Pels game? Seven threes. Seven threes a game. Ooh. I think he's going to get the scoring title. I don't know that he will get to 353s. I don't know that I care either, to be honest. So I'd rather him just get I want him to get the scoring title because I know he wants to get it. I need Dylan's voice. That is an incredible voice. Great voice. Agreed. John, what's up, man? John. Yo, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Uh, just a delightful Monday night. Yeah, yeah. I want to, you know. Say that one, Steph, Steph Curry, he's freaking amazing. God, we got to love that guy. And Bazemore, thank you again for bringing him to Under Armour. You're made for life. You know, you can say what you want on Twitter. <laughs> it's all good. And, hey, you know, Utah Jazz are freaking frauds. They haven't won squad. The squad they have now has not even been able to make it out of the first round. And they haven't proven anything. And the Suns, they have even less experience except for the choke artist that's Chris Paul. You know, right? So I, I'm not really worried about either of them, other than the fact that we have no roster and no depth, and in a seven-game series, it's just going to wear you down, and that's the worry, right? Um, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, maybe you get a team like the Suns, you win a couple games early, and you get them nervous. They start freaking out. You steal a series. 
right? That's what vet teams do. If we've got a bunch of guys, maybe we can pull them up. Appreciate it, John. Great call. Great Pastor call. John, he got too juiced. He got too juiced. All right, we're going to bring up uh, the man who yeah. got... The man who got himself in some trouble with some smiley slander, Mike Mikas. What's up, man? Can you guys can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Okay, I do want to first uh, apologize to Alan Smigelich and his beautiful girlfriend uh, for <laughs> for slandering them. I know Kirk and Kent Lake have sent all their burner accounts out and their verified friends to uh, to go at me. I'm finally off of private, so I'm you know I'm back. I'm active on Twitter again because Alan really. <laughs> Alan's actually got more fans on Twitter than Steph Curry, I found out. Steph actually has haters. Alan's only got lovers. So that was interesting to discover. Um, nice. I thought the game was awesome tonight. I really did. It was uh, fun to not watch us blow a late game and, you know, you know, trick one away. Uh, I thought Looney was great. I do want to push back on that opening with Looney. Looney's had, like, if Looney had knees and hips, he'd be Will Chamberlain. I've determined it. Uh, so I, I thought he was great. And Draymond's been playing some of the best ball of – I would go as far as to say, in the last four years, he looks as good as he's ever looked uh, since at least his 2016 season. So I want to push back there. But I was having a question. I don't want to overlook the first-round opponent by any stretch, but is it actually better for us to lose to the Lakers, beat Memphis, get the eighth seed, you get Utah in a matchup, and then the 4-5 or five seed currently is either Denver or Dallas. We just, ex- uh, we just displayed that we can beat Denver. We beat them twice in the last month and they don't have Jamal Murray. And Dallas, they did embarrass us on national TV, but earlier in the season, we lost to them by two, and then before that game, we beat them by like 30. I think both of those matchups are very favorable if we could get out of the first round. And what do you guys think? I think it's very important that we avoid that 2-3 side of the bracket because then you have to deal with Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just my thoughts. Mikas, appreciate it. We're going to take, your, we're gonna take you off air. Incredible um, call. Just incredible. I do, I, I do agree with him. Like, if you were to tell me, okay, so this is a decidedly mediocre Warriors team. Like, Steph and Draymond are who they are, but like, beyond that, it's kind of a mediocre roster, right? Um, if you were to tell me they're going to get Utah and then the winner of Denver, Dallas, like, that's as favorable a draw as you can hope. I just, the audacity to think about a second round series for these Golden State Warriors after what we've watched all season. I just, I respect that. Sam, I, I, I like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, of course he's right. You would rather play Denver and Dallas than and, the Clippers and, and, and Lakers and yeah. Utah. Right. Of course. But I just, what part of watching this team this season do you think have, have we even thought of that? You know, you know, like I'm with you all this whole night. I'm saying Steph Draymond amazing, but uh, yeah, it's, it would be uh uh, one of the best playoff runs that I've seen if they're able to get that far. Because uh, if they're playing Dallas in a in a postseason series, these guys are in the Western Conference Finals. And I don't really want to think about that because now, now I feel like we're Right, playing. right. <laughs> yeah. All right, keep moving. Jackson, what's up, man? Hey, guys. I'm feeling pretty optimistic tonight. Um, you know, I'm so disappointed with this roster construction in the front office that I've just been really enjoying Draymond and Steph lately. I just want hope all Warrior fans can take a step back and appreciate their two man game. They're like the way they complement each other on the court is nothing like I've ever seen before. I was trying to think about it the other day and compare them to other two man like kind of duos in NBA history. And I don't know if there's a lot of other stars that coexist on the court together. LeBron, D Wade, you know, like even Kobe, Shaq. But I don't know if there's ever been two players that truly make each other so much better. Like. 
we know that Draymond is so much better with Steph on the court. And I truly believe that Steph is enhanced so much by having Draymond there. Like watching them together and all the variation, the nuance, the screening, the timing is like, like I feel like I'm watching like a choreography, like I'm watching a dance performance. Like they can win so you think you can dance or like dancing with the stars. It's like crazy shit like that. Um, so my question for y'all is, can you think, I was a little young for Stockton and Malone. Are there any other duos that you can compare them to the way you've just seen where you feel like they're just like, they're one in the same? Like, is there anyone you can even compare them to? Or what do you think of their, their relationship on the court? Appreciate it, Jackson. I feel like the easiest comp is the Spurs, but it's more of like a three-man comp. Yeah, but that was a team. Yeah, that is a good, that is a good one though. Yeah. Spurs. I got one for you. Go for it. Uh, he's he's my favorite player outside of Steph. Uh, I loved Nash and Amari. Okay, like, I guess Amari didn't make yeah Nash like it was more Nash beating Amari and that type of stuff. But Nash and Amari was incredible. Uh, that that was I guess my generation's version of Stockton and Malone. But I mean they sure. should have won a championship. Uh, that team they got robbed by David Stern. But that that was a uh, I felt like those guys. I I guess mostly was Steve Nash, but. It was beautiful basketball and, and really like unstoppable basketball uh, and, and incredible <laughs> chemistry. So that's my that's my, uh, that's my mentions go Chris Gatley and Sharunas, the the obvious answer. <laughs> um, no, no, I agree with you. Like I, I, I don't like comparing them to a pick and roll combo because they're not really a pick and roll combo. Right. Um, right. Because Draymond's it, it's not like the point guard feeding the, the role man for 25 a game like that sort of thing. So. I don't know. I'm going to always go to the Spurs comp because I feel like, you, especially when you throw Clay into it, the Tony, Manu, Timmy, like they they kind of like, there's like an osmosis between the three of them. I feel like that's the Warriors. Demodis, Sabonis, and Malcolm Brogdon, another good one, you know. <laughs> Stop. All right, let's go. Keep it moving. All right, a couple more. Tanner, what's up, man? So Tanner. I just had a, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Um, so Andy brought it up earlier. It's about what um, development means, not just for the young guys, but the guys that don't have a lot of playoff experience. Like Wiggins has one playoff series, JTA, maybe 28, 29, but he's still kind of new in the league. Um, I think it's important that we get into a, you know, crunch time games and like a big playoff series where guys play games that mean something. and. I mean, I just want to know what you guys think about, um, you know, getting minutes for guys like Poole, Lee, uh, JTA, obviously Wiggins, and, you know, obviously games where shit means something. Yeah, yeah, Tanner. It's a great question. Um, I do agree with you. That's actually probably why we were voicing frustration earlier in the season. Like, obviously losing Clay, they're not a contender, but, like, I felt like, making noise this year was what was going to matter to them being able to make moves in free agency this summer. So uh, beyond the fact that like Jordan Poole uh, wants Scott Anderson, uh, a few of these guys like playoff minutes are going to be vital for like, obviously Wiseman's not getting playoff minutes and that sucks, but like as much as the toughest one, that's the toughest one. Yeah. Yeah. As, as much as like we want them to get playoff minutes, just, you know, cause they need to, um, I think it's going to be the best sale sign for the Warriors if you see Stefan Draymond dominating teams in the playoffs. And 
you know, you're, you're like a veteran Serge Ibaka type and you're like, you know what? That seems like a good spot for me. Like, I think that matters. I'm with you. Um, I just, I, I feel bad because I think this would be, this would have been a perfect ending stretch for James Weizmann. Um, he needed these minutes. Maybe they win less games. Um, but he needed some playoff minutes, play in minutes, crunch time minutes. If even if it was only eight, 10 minutes, I would have really liked for him to get that. It, it sucks that he got that taken away from him because of the injury. And now he's kind of back to square one next season. But, uh, by the way, we got we got a Draymond quote here because he's a fucking sociopath. Um, oh Draymond boy. on playing games with playoff implications. All right, I play better when they matter. When they don't matter, it's tougher. I'm enjoying these games. I I like. I don't. It's one of those things where you can't really explain it. Like people ask, why doesn't Draymond play like this all the time? And I'm like if you know a better way to activate that like little extra in him, like tell Steve Kerr, you know, like I, I think, I think Draymond's one of those guys who needs stakes to like really get him going. And there's no other way around it. Like, well, so I think, I, I, and, and like, by the way, that's why he's always shows up in big moments. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of these guys, yes, for, for sure. I think that's why the three point shooting is coming back. Um, somebody had a great story today. I think it was Bill Simmons on his podcast was talking about the scoring title back then. I wasn't alive to watch George Gervin and, and I believe the other guy was David Thompson. Yeah, David Thompson. Basically, they were David Thompson. They, they were uh, the last day of the season scoring title. Both guys were averaging like 25 points. And uh, I think Thompson scored like 70 something in the first game. And then Gervin had to score like 60 to win the scoring title. And he had like 40 something after the first quarter and he ended up winning the scoring title. Right. And when I heard that, it thought to me, it just felt like, yeah, these guys could probably, if they locked in and cared play much harder than they could that day. Like Draymond could probably play this way every game, but it's hard to play that 72 times in a season. You know what I mean? Like Juan Toscano Anderson can do it because he's still trying to make his way into the league. And now he's in the league. And he kind of has to play that style to be effective, right? But it's hard for someone like Draymond to do that. And I think when I heard that story, it's just like, man, for these superstars, it's hard for these guys to play that damn hard every single night. Um, so it's cool to see. Agreed. Them kind of particularly for up. particularly for guys who've been in the finals five times yeah. in a row. Like, you really think you can get someone up to get excited for like, I mean, November fifteenth versus the Sacramento Kings might as well be your Monday ten a.m. staff meeting to Draymond Green. Like he's not excited for that. You know, I, I get it. I get it. Although it, yeah. it sucks to watch. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> let's keep moving. Omar, what's up, my man? Hey, thanks for having me guys. Um, you know, I remember I first listened to your podcast, like when you guys were doing the preseason, you know, preparation show and you guys were talking about um, Steph, you know, trying to average, you know, needing to average 30 plus and like, he's he's my favorite player ever he's the reason that i you know like watch the sport and i was like nah that's you know that's not happening with this team this horribly constructed team and i was just thinking about that today like you know watching the last six weeks or so and it's just really impressive and i know like all warriors fans have been pointing that out but i mean it's like if that's kind of the thing that gives us joy in this otherwise very frustrating season like i definitely do appreciate that it's good to know that like he's still that guy. And so that's that's basically all I wanted to say. Like even I, you know, way playing way above of my expectations. I appreciate it, Omar. We let's do some stuff appreciation here, because he Omar is right. Um 
I think the hardest thing, I feel like 90% of fan frustration this year is the fact that we all acknowledge Steph Curry is the best warrior of all time. One of the 15 or 20 best players of all time. And this year, I mean, he's not playing for anything, right? Like he, he's, he's putting on a show for all of us, but he's not, um, they're not winning a title this year. Like, uh, I mean, if he does, he's the greatest of all time and I'll never hear an argument for anyone else ever again, but oh. like, he's not winning a title this year. And I, I think that's the thing that's always driven us crazy where it's like, people try to tell you to be patient and all that stuff. And it's like, God, you don't get a guy of this caliber on your team. Not just every year, like every decade the Warriors could go two decades before they get a player who remotely resembles Steph after he retires. You owe it to everyone to try to do everything you can to compete with them. And I, and just watching them play at this level, like, I don't know, man. 33. Gonna, hey, that's that's not that old I, as someone who's older than 33. <laughs> I I'm just not that old. I didn't be, I, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what I love about Steph this season? I thought about this uh, uh, yesterday. It, Steph doesn't – he's not afraid to say that he cares about something. He cares about winning the scoring title. He's not too cool to, to go for, and try to win the scoring right, title. Right, right. He's not too cool to – he's not too cool to be in the three-point shooting contest for the 18th time despite – being the greatest shooter of all time. Like everyone knows that, right? Like he's not too cool. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need to win it to, to prove to people he can shoot. Yeah. That's everybody. Like that's how awesome he is. And I think that's the cool thing about Steph. A lot of things, a lot of these NBA players nowadays and professional athletes, they're just, they're too cool. Like I'm too cool to do any of this stuff. I don't, I don't need to prove myself up. Like with Steph, like, yeah, he doesn't need to prove himself, but he also doesn't act like he's above this stuff. Um, he's out here shooting at the three-point contest against the likes of Mike freaking Conley. Like, the guy's a fringe all, like, fringe all-star guy. And Steph's just entertaining. He's he no, doing no, it for the no, league. No yeah, unnecessary Mike Conley slam. That was not necessary. That was not necessary. <laughs> but, yeah, I just think it's really cool to see someone that cares about uh, the game, the sport, winning, and just kind of – the fans, I think, like, re- it resonates with the fans. Like, there is nobody in the NBA that people find more entertaining or care more about than, I think, Steph Curry. And I think that's – that's awesome, man. That's outside of just him being great as a basketball player, right? He's just a yeah, personality just, that we'll never I mean, see again. I don't, I don't want to get all emo about it, but it's just like you know, you, you watch, you watch him play, and you're just like, you wonder like how much longer it can go, and like I don't know. That's that's <laughs> where I get anyway. Hey, uh, what's up, Aaron? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, there we go. <laughs> what's up? oh, there you are. What's up, man? Yeah, sorry, what's going on, brother? So you know, I like to kind of just lurk and and listen. I enjoy the show and. uh you know, if I listen in the <laughs> locker room, then I can just pick the highlights that I want tomorrow when the pod comes out. But the reason I had to jump in is because I think in, in all of that praise of Steph, you, Sam, are still underselling him. And you say this a lot. You ah, say it could be nice. another 10 years. It could be another 20 years until you get a player like Steph. But that is incongruous. That's a, that's a nice SAT word for you guys. It is incongruous for you to say that. And then say he is also a top 15 or 20 player of all time. I happen to think he's a top 10 player of all time. But if he is a top 15 was, player was, of all time. I was, I was hedging. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying but, to open a ranking conversation right now. Let's say, let's say, fine. Let's say, let's say the back end of what you just said. He's a top 20 player of all time. That means that there are only 19 possible players better than him in the history of the NBA. 
That means two-thirds of the franchises, the Lakers have had more than their share. But at least, uh, excuse me, at least one-third of the franchises never have anybody as good as Steph and never have in the 70-year history of the NBA. You are underselling Steph even in your praise of him. The, the Warriors could never have a player of Steph's caliber ever again in the history of the franchise. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, unless they, the, nev- they the never Warriors have and they never the Lakers. Like, who's the best player right. in Raptors history or who's the best player in Shout out Kyle Hornets, Lowry. Kyle yeah, exactly. Hornets <laughs> history or who's the best player in Kings history or who's the best player in Clippers history or who's the best player in Pacers history? I mean, like, no. And here's Steph, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, here's a here's a here's a trickier part. The Warriors could get some like genetic mutation like seven two um freakish player in like 20 (laughs) in 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 like you know in like 15 years but they aren't gonna connect with the fan base the same way as Steph because he's been on the roster for 12 years he's gonna he's gonna end up playing for this team for 15 to 20 years you know like you could make the case Kevin Durant's a better player than him there's not a single Warriors fan who cares about Kevin Durant more than Steph Curry. And I love Kevin Durant as a player. Like that's a secondary factor to it on top of it too. Like you can, you're right. You can go into it. You can go into it. It's like you're this, this um, Steph ending his career as a warrior means more to the Warriors building this brand as being like a franchise who fucking matters than anything. My guess is Steph is the last all-time great that is going to play 12, 15, 20 years with one franchise. You right, right. It means something. But you also just said the, the franchise could get a genetic freak and blah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They had one. His name is Wilt Chamberlain. And Steph is probably Perfect. better than him all time. True, true. Yeah, and, no, that's a good point. Played, and he also played with the Lakers. Uh, okay, it's time for you to go. Uh, your your point your point stands yeah it's not all just like you know even you know i'm gonna kick you off before i say this but yeah appreciate you aaron lebron is one of the the five or so best players of all time maybe the second best maybe the first if you you know didn't live in the 90s but um (laughs) he doesn't you know outside of cleveland do, do laker fans view him as the greatest of all time no laker fans would tell you magic kobe like there's a there's a little emotional response there, and I would say Steph has the ability. Actually, not the ability. He has that with the Bay Area in a way that, like, I, literally the only Bay Area athletes I can think of who might touch him are like Joe Montana and like Barry Bonds. Like that's like I have to go cross sport to get there. But yeah, and and I think Steph is another generation now because because Joe exactly. Montana was even Joe. Was Joe Montana is our parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like. And Barry's like barely in my kind of uh, you're, like, you're, you know you're young, <laughs> uh, but Steph is gonna be. And here's the thing about Steph too: it's not like he's the Tim Duncan uh, of of his generation, but I also don't think Tim Duncan resonated with every other fan base, right? Uh, outside of San Antonio, he, like he, Timmy was awesome, but Timmy San Antonio. Timmy, Timmy got the NBA. tip of the cap at the end of the, the career, right. but people aren't buying Tim Duncan jerseys in 2004, no. or 2003. I guess 2003 was like the peak, you know, it's like, like, you know, yeah, he, exactly. He was never close, never, never a second. Timmy was close to that. And we're, we're talking about fame and then that, 
just the kind of adoration that Steph has. We heard MVP chants for Steph in in away arenas, right? And we've heard them for years. It's insane, right? Like, I think the the AD comparison I always like is that as I'm watching KD highlights um, on on CSN, is like AD is amazing, but he goes to LA. Nobody gives a shit about AD. Like it just nobody cares about him. Right, and right, right. It's that's that's a lot of the NBA right now, and that's not Steph. Steph is the unique guy where, dude, everyone loves. And like everyone just cares. To, the guy is the best. You He's just the best. You, it's it's the perfect storm. He's a top you know ten to twenty player of all time, and then you have like the loyalty, multi generational like ten plus year run with the fan base. Like you're just not gonna get that perfect storm. So. Go for it, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Should we get a couple more callers on here before we call it a day? Yeah, let's get a couple. Let's get Dandy, what's up, man? Hey, okay, Sam. Hi. Long time. Good. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, actually, I listened to your pod. Uh, I don't... I, I didn't hop onto the locker room because of the time conflict issues. Uh, so today was a great game. I wanted to ask a question. Like, uh, what can the Warriors do right now to help Steph with this little playoff push? Like, uh, I did the math a little bit. I, I'm not, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, adding another player as the 15th man and uh, removing Smiley from his existing spot and adding another player is not going to cost a lot. Like, Steph has to prove in that much to show that, like, if you give him at least a few players who can really help, he can be the one seed or the two seed. Like, not a likely scenario, but he can at least scare them off to a six or seven game series. And that uh, can help with the free agency. And it's becoming a little more clear. Bradley Beal doesn't want to come to Warriors. Like, I'm not saying this based (laughs) off on the base mode tweet. Like, I saw the way he spoke of Russ and uh, in the jump and other shows that he came on, like, he seems to really appreciate was what Russ stands for and what he's doing. So, we gotta look for alternatives. So, other than Pacers, what do, do Pacers breaking up, what do you think is the likely scenario for the Warriors to be a contender next year? First Daddy, off, appreciate you. First uh, off, yes. I'm shocked, Sam, that an Asian person decided to do the math. <laughs> Before he talks, this that's what this podcast is about. Come on, man. Um, Shout to Dandy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was gonna say two things. One, he's right. The Warriors need to use those roster spots. Period. They need to. But um, the, the options of what they can do with it are also limited at the same time. Yeah, it's like you you can't like. You know, it's it, it's not like you know KD or someone sitting on the, the wire. Yeah, so we're we gonna have the show here. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate everyone who called in.